on the nuts. Not a second late. Boom, baby. That's what I do. I'm reliable. How many times were you late to the rink in the morning in your playing days? That was always the first one there. Pretty much the first one there. Always not not late. Have Never you late. ever have you ever been late for some reason or another? Have you ever been late for a game, uh, practice, anything? Yes, but not because it was my fault. I, that's okay. yeah, yes. Um, I like when I like when you blame others. Let's let's hear this. It was an accident. It was a car accident. When oh, I got okay. stuck in it. And they're on the way on the way to a game, and it was bad, and it got total like the whole highway stopped and got jammed up. That was one time. Um, no, not that I can remember. Like I said, I was always like I was always I would leave three o'clock my house. I'd leave at three o'clock for a seven seven thirty game. So. And, Chances of me getting, and that was early in my career. I think the one time I was late is the accident might have been in um, in Phoenix in my second stint in 2006. It was like a 45, 50 minute drive, and got. I used to leave like 40 minute, 45 minutes before the meeting because I just didn't give a shit at that time. Well, here you are. So here's what we're going to do today so you can start racking your brain on that. We're going around Canada. with We never talk about the Canadian teams enough on uh, on here, and there's a lot of shit going on up there. Going through Canada, let's start. Now, we should start with a team that's surprising everybody right now is Winnipeg, and they're fucking flying right now. I mean, nobody gives Winnipeg any kind of any kind of attention, yet they're on top they're on top of the of the division, beating teams left, right, and center right now. Um, and again, still nobody's talking about them. So you, you got, why is that? No you think Jr. why is nobody talking about this team? I just think, I just think Winnipeg is one of those places that's so unassuming. Nobody really knows about it. I don't think they get the attention because they play in a small barn. They haven't done anything really in their, in their existence. Right. I mean, Vancouver went to a final Toronto's won cups. Can I answer the question for you, Jeremy? Because no one takes this seriously right now. No one's buying what the uh, the Winnipeg Jets are doing right now. That as for real, I almost feel like people are just waiting for. You know, I know one's talking about them because no one wants to sing the praise about them, and then all of a sudden have them blow up in their face because because that's what I was expecting. I didn't much like you said. I did not expect Winnipeg to be anywhere near what they're doing, and one of the main reasons why. I did not think Rick Bonus was a good hire. I didn't. Oh, like, I, I thought I think I thought he was a great hire. I thought he was a great hire. I Rick Bonus is is hockey through and through. Um, he was my assistant coach in Phoenix. Uh, he's been in the game a long time. His hockey knowledge, Petey, is off the chart. Really, he's a smart, smart. Well, he's hockey damn near player. been an assistant or coach of half the teams mm-hmm. in the national hockey league, but I, and you I know, you do, you. you know, but you know what you do when you're an assistant coach, Riff, you learn how to deal with the players. Yeah. Right. You, you learn how to have a relationship with the players and you're not going to have a good, a team that's going to play hard for you. If you don't know how to treat your players, especially in this day and age. And well, that's what I heard about him. I heard that he is one of the nicest men in hockey. And I said that back when we, when he was hired and we talked <laughs> about it, I said, I've heard amazing things about Rick Bonus. I'm just not sure that his stint in Dallas as a head coach was was enough to to maybe be a a good insert into into Winnipeg. But maybe maybe and then he and then didn't he take the the C away or what happened there, Riv? Yeah, he took the C off Blake Wheeler, who has been. Uh, one of the staples in Winnipeg for what ten plus years. You know, Blake Wheeler is a thirty-six-year-old player. He's on the last year of his deal, um, and he's been in Winnipeg since he left Atlanta in two thousand eleven. Uh, the two thousand eleven-twelve season, he went to Winnipeg, so he's been there for ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Bonus came in, took the C away from. Blake Wheeler, the captain, you have Mark Shifley, 
at the end of the year meetings, leaving because he was so upset and so irritated and pissed off about what's happening in Winnipeg that he basically somewhat, you know, maybe said some things that he shouldn't have, you know, emotional players at the end of the year, this and that. And he goes out and now there's, there's talk about Mark, uh, Mark Shifley possibly being traded. Okay. This is their star of the team. And then you have your up and coming star in, in, in Dubois who chooses not to sign a long-term deal, which Winnipeg wanted to sign uh, Dubois to a long-term deal, get him locked up. He's the future. And he says, Nope. All I want is a one-year deal because this young man is sitting in a situation that in very short coming, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent mm-hmm. with seven years under, under the, the cap. So he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at 25 or 26 years old. So he'll be able to mm-hmm. pick where he wants to go, yeah, which and is probably be. not going to be Winnipeg. Correct. That is so correct. you have all of these negativity. And I, I a hundred percent agree with Andrew on this. When we heard that Rick bonus was the guy stepping in, I just immediately thought that this was a Band-Aid. This is a Band-Aid. This is a Band-Aid coach. But look at what's happening right now. Yeah, well, listen, there's a a team that cannot have uh, any any loose ends, right? If they're not getting goals from Shifley, from Connor, from Ehlers, from these guys up front, which they're doing right now, Shifley's on fire, Connors is on fire, but their goaltender keeps them in every single game. Hellebuck is, he's, I mean, he's got right now, he's, he's got to be up there with Allmark as the, you know, one of the leading, uh, leading people for the Vesna. He is, he is by far one of the most underrated goalies in the league year after year. 100%. after year. Exactly. Because his team is so wishy-washy in front of him, Right. So they're a lot like the Washington capitals, right? If they don't, if they, if nobody, if, if they don't have their top guys come and play a certain way, there's nobody else to follow up underneath that's going to lift them up, right? So Shifley's playing well, Connors is playing well, Ehlers is a is, is a fun guy to watch. That that Morrissey is one of the most underrated defensemen, and I've watched this kid play a lot. He is so smart, so smooth. You want to talk about a guy who makes that first outlet pass make look easy? Kids, a, kids, a stud. Well, I wonder that's, how much of his success this year, because the most points he's ever had is 37, I think. Well, that's what he had last year. And he's got, what, 20, what's he have, Riv, 28 right now? Twenty. I think he has 29 points right now. 29 points. So well, I wonder you know how much you of that why? is bonus because power bonus play. had high skin in. No, it's it's power play. It's power play because he's 27 play points. The, sorry. He's getting to play in the power play more. Um which I think is is important, you know, for points wise, especially especially for defensemen. Um, but I don't know. It's just some you know some guys just catch their catch their their wave at at, at a at a different time. Morris right. Morris is playing good hockey. There's news out of Vancouver that one star player there there does not want to stay there and play, and that's Brock Besser has reportedly not asked for a trade, but it's been agreed upon that they'll part ways at some point. They're going to try to move them. Hmm. So he didn't ask for a trade. So the team he didn't ask for a trade. Him. You have the Vancouver so the Canucks that are looking in a situation that they have their captain of their team, Bo Horvat, who has 20 goals in his first 25 games. And they got to get this guy signed. It's going to cost them, you know, anywhere from eight to nine million dollars to get him signed. And in order to get him signed, to keep the salary cap where it needs to be, they have to move on from a, a, a big yeah, money but guy. The, but what's the age difference between Bo Horvat and Brock Besser? Because that sounds interesting to me. Because Bro, Bo Horvat's having a career year this year, right? And he's he's going to eclipse. Any of his goal totals, Brock yeah. Besser has been a goal scorer since the the, the second he walked into the league. Um, I, I would like to know what the age difference. Bo Horvat is, is twenty seven years old, and Brock Besser is twenty five years old. Okay, so there's only two years. Okay, so that does that's 
so they're picking their captain in Bo Horvat to, to sign, and they're they're I think they're giving up on on Brock Besser, who started this year atrociously. I, I think mean, they're. I think the concern with with Brock Besser too is he's not. He, so he has played uh, seven years. You know, six years in the NHL, he has not played one year healthy. healthy. The most he's played in a year was last year, and he played seventy one games. Wow, yeah, it's another reason. It's a it's a great reason. So he has four goals, and he scored two in his in one game. So his first his first goal came about two two and a half weeks ago, and he scored two that night. <clears throat> so he's played all those games and he's only had two goals. So there's something going on with that kid mentally. Well, can you know we're we're, we're going on year six of him being injured. He's had injuries. Injuries start to pile up whether you're 25 or or older yeah. or younger. If you have multiple injuries over times, they seem to pile up and and start to take control of of you know the output in which you give in each game. Um, you know he's a great player, but there is something going on with him. He makes six point six five million dollars a year. He has this year and then two more. I think there'll be a team out there that would love to get their hands on a, a Brock Besser type player. The, His that, agent that, has been given price, permission yes. to speak to other teams to facilitate a trade. At that price, I think you're, you're going to, you're going to see him go and ho- and another team hoping that a change of scenery is going to reinvigor his, his play. That's right. I mean, and, and you could be right. I mean, I, I love your point. You know, the injuries pile up and it gets harder and harder to play. The more you, you know, the more you miss games. And, you know, maybe he's soft. Maybe he's a soft player. I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, maybe he's maybe he's missing games that he probably could he could tough out if he wanted to. But he decides not to. I don't know. I'm just throwing shit out there. Well, Vancouver's interesting to me because at the start of the year, I picked them as a dark horse to be good. And they started off, what, 0-7? And, and now they're 11. But they're coming back. Yeah, they're, they're coming, coming back. back. And and that, uh, I'm telling you, I, the, the West isn't as strong as the East. And the Pacific Division is the weakest Wide division open. by what? far. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you see teams like Seattle and L.A. sitting where they are. And, you know, Calgary's... Calgary's right there at a, just outside the wild card and Vancouver's sneaking up too. I mean, there's a yeah, lot of Calgary, Calgary, Vancouver, Calgary. Vancouver right now is two points behind Colorado for a wild card spot. And they're three points behind Edmonton for the first wild card spot. So Vancouver had a disastrous start to the season with eight losses in a row, but they have turned around that season in a big way and they've gone in a real Salvation. nice direction. They've so, salvaged us in the last the last month has been amazing for them. Whereas yeah. the other teams, like where Calgary started off gangbusters and looked like they were going to run through the season and then have just been awful. And I don't know if they've been decimated with injuries or not, but I mean Calgary, yeah. they, they've done the total opposite, right? They've yeah. done the total opposite in terms of, of what they've done. And I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure Sutter is going up there. He's livid and not fun to be around. And when you have a coach that's not fun to be around, going to the rink every single day is not fun. I can't see Calgary guys enjoy going to the rink every day right now within the situation that they're in. Where 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 do you think that Calgary is faltering right now? For me, I'll just give you a quick, quick thought. Like they they brought in a lot of new faces like you know the johnny goudreau johnny hockey you know matthew kachuk these guys were the faces of this team they drove the team sean monahan was another guy that drove the team the face now there's been really a massive change of the guard you know you got a new jonathan huberto is in there um has not performed up to his expectation and standard um Nazem Kadri has actually been quite good. Um, Mackenzie Weger has not played up to the standard of what he was playing in the last couple of years. This team in general is deep on the offense. They're deep on defense and they have great goaltending. And I think that they're grossly underachieving. And the question yeah. is why? It's a good, it's a great point by you. Cause look at Huberto. Huberto, he was thriving in Florida, right? Mainly because he can go to the rink, he can play and go home, 
and have not have any scrutiny whatsoever. He can just play and not have to worry about answering to the media. And he's he seems to be very quiet to me. He seems to be one of those quiet, you know, very talented players. But you bring him up to a Canadian city where he is the man, and he's taking the place of a Matthew Kachuk, who was exactly the opposite. Grinder, in-your-face, shit disturber, you know, leader that that yelled at the team that did that that had a uh rapport where he didn't give a shit what the media said and you have two different characters and the media the canadian media or the pressure in playing a canadian city can eat somebody up alive and i think what you said riv is is hampering huberto i think it's a lot i think it's a lot now doesn't mean he's he's lost it, but he's got to he's got to find a way to get a little bit tougher and 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 start playing the way that he's he's capable of because he's the engine that runs that ship. I mean, Kadri's is, is a great addition. No, don't get me wrong, but Huberdeau is is the most talented player on that team, and he's not he's not playing up to expectations. It well, listen, just, I mean, it just you don't have to look any any further than you know Calgary, who started off really well and then faltered for for quite some time. You have to look at Jonathan Huberto. I mean, he's a $10.5 million hockey player. He's got 22 games played. He has four goals, JR, and 15 points, which is not, not terrible. But the elite players in the game right now do not have 15 points in 22 games. They have 30-plus. And he needs to pick up his game in order for this team to have an opportunity to make the playoffs. What are your thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers, Jr.? Uh, pretty much same every year, same old song and dance. I mean, you know exactly what you're going to get from Edmonton every single every single game, and it doesn't seem to change. Um, you know, they're right in the middle of the division of the of the conference. They have a they have a they have a wild card spot now, right? Right now, are they in the wild card? They're spot? sitting first, but I mean, within I'm not kidding you, three games. They could be out of a. They could be out of a playoff position. Yeah, their whole their their whole existence relies on whether McDavid and Drysaddle can carry them. They have absolutely nothing behind. Absolutely nothing behind. It it literally might be the stupidest thing, but I'm going to bring it up to you guys, and you guys can chaw on it because when you have your top four forwards, and then you scroll down your next forward that's way down the lineup has eight points and the guy behind him has six points and the guy behind him has five points. I mean, what does that tell you? There is zero depth in this organization on this team. It's a one line team. What if I were to say that you could trade Leon Dreisaitl? Like at what point is the Edmonton Oilers going to look at this and say, we're not going to win with two players. At what point in time do you make the most crazy executive decision to say, I've got to trade Leon Dreisaitl, who is literally one of the greatest players in the game right now. And so I can acquire three to four players and future consideration type things to make this team turn in the right direction. Because they're not going to win with this team. It's It's franchise suicide. It's franchise suicide. Because am I wrong? Am I wrong in in, in stating this? Yes, yes you are. No. Because there's no there's there's no way, and I understand what you're saying because you're not going to get anything back unless you get rid of somebody like that. And you're not but, going to acquire right. free agents because nobody wants to go there just to play on the same team as McDavid if they're not playing on his line. Right. So what I'm saying is, you, you're going to have to get rid of somebody else because that team relies on those two players, whether they play on the same line together where they play in the power play together or whether they split them up. Cause right now that's a one line team and you know, every team in the national hockey league loves to play against a one line team. Cause it's a, one of the easiest ways to coach against them. You just can't prevent those two guys from having a huge game and end up them winning the game. Cause that's, that's what happens every time Edmonton's won the game. It's because those two players make it happen. It's not because, because Hyman made it happen. I mean, Nugent Hopkins had has had some good games. He's got he's having a good year, but why wouldn't you trade a Nugent Hopkins now that he's having a good year? Why wouldn't you trade a Darnell Nurse who 
who's a good, solid, very, very dependable, mean defenseman to get something offensive, get somebody to help on the, on that second line. You know, I, I, I guess my uh, question, I guess my question when you bring that up, JR, and that's, that's kind of where I'm going at this right now, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid will not win you a Stanley cup with this no, current roster no, and what they no, have you, right no, now. But you, no, but if you split them up, they'll be still be a hundred times further from the Stanley cup than they are right now. Well, they have played, uh, uh, they have played on separate lines for a large part of the year. They don't play together. Oh, they're together. They're together more than we think. They're they're only together. They're yeah. only together when they are down. When they're up, they both play on separate lines. When they're on the power play, they play together. When they're down, which is they which go is why, together. Which is which is why you can't get rid of Drysaddle because you get you, you get two lines that are more potent rather than just one because you have that, that option. But you. There's no way that you can give up two guys, one guy that has has dominated the league that much. You have to you have to piece out some of your other players. You got to piece them out. Some of somebody that's going to be more attracted or attractable. Like I said, at what, like a at what point in time do you start to move uh, a Kyler Yamamoto or a Jesse Poliarve? Or someone along those lines. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not going to get anything either. for them. You're not, gonna, you're not getting anything for them. Yeah, but you're, you're, you know what you're getting you're, rid of? You're getting rid of $3.1 million for a guy who does absolutely nothing. And then Jesse Pariar can't spend that money anywhere. Yeah but, that's, yeah, but you can't talk about the money because you want to talk about winning because the winning is going to attract the money. It's going to attract more people to come and want to play there. So what you have to do is you're going to have to sacrifice the B players Okay, rather than the A players, because the A players are A plus plus plus. Okay, and those two. So you're gonna have to package together. I would even say, you know, and I, I, I again, the only guys that I can see being a, of attract attraction to another team are Nugent Hopkins because he's having a good year, and Darnell Nurse will anybody will take a Darnell Nurse because of the way he plays the game. Okay, and if you if you you're going to have to sacrifice that aspect to try to improve your 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 second to fourth lines because you're going to get the most out of most for them. Can I ask out of you anybody something, else Craig? Rather than McDavid and Drysaddle, would you trade just quickly? Would you trade Owen Power and Buffalo for Darnell Nurse? And because you have Darlene, hundred percent no, absolutely. Okay. I look, there's very 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 and I mean very few people in this entire league that I would trade Owen power for. I believe Owen power literally will be the best player in the NHL in, in three, four years from now. Okay. Say no more. I, I'm going to predict this right now. You, you've heard this on the show. Owen power will be the best defenseman in the league in three, four years from now. Okay. That's how good this McCarr. kid is. Better than Cam McCarr. Yes. Because oh. you, you, what's going to happen, J, what's going to happen, Jay, or you have to understand something. You're going to look at Kale McCarr and you're looking at a, a, a generational offensive defenseman. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what you're looking at in Owen power is going to be a generational, another Victor Hedman. Okay. He is going to be the next Victor Hedman. That's going to be in the top three voting of the, of the Norris trophy for the literally the next 10 years. And this is in a couple of years from now. This is when he's like 23 years old. He will be in the Norris Trophy voting for next 10 years. All right. He's 6'6". He's 220 pounds and he skates like he's... And what, what year does that start? What year does that start? Three years from now. I would okay. say I would say three years. He's buying he needs, us some time, JR. He's buying himself some time to forget that. I'm he not buying time. Comment. The kid's 20 years old. He's literally a kid. It took it took Victor Hedman five years before he came relevant. Took Kale McCarr five games. Kale McCarr is a special, special, special player. There's no question about it. And I won't, I won't I won't argue with that, but you look, there's ebbs and flows to every single person uh, or, or player in this league. There's ebbs and flows to their game. Right now, Kel McCarr is playing very well. Okay. He's got over a point. He's got, he's got, he's, he's got a better team to play, that plays, that plays to play with too. That's right. That. But he's got over a point a game and he's going to be a point producer. But when you look at other defensemen in the league, Rasmus Dahlin right now is playing 
as far as I'm concerned, better hockey than Kale McCarr on a team that's not anywhere near where Kale McCarr is right now. I think Rasmus Dahlin has played, and I said this on the podcast the other day, Rasmus Dahlin right now is sitting second in points in the NHL. He's sitting er, on, on defense. He's sitting second in goals. His plus minus is uh, plus 10 on an average team. And he is he is playing a physical brand of hockey in every sense of the word. He's killing yeah. like the kid is an absolute stud right now. Well, he's playing the way that they expected him to play when he got drafted. So that's that's good for him that he's been able to do that. Toronto Maple Leafs look pretty fucking good. Well, we fired Sheldon Keefe a bunch of times this year. Yeah, maybe he listened to the podcast. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. But you know the the difference with that team is John Tavares decided he wanted to play hockey again. Okay? Because now all of a sudden, John Tavares comes up and starts scoring goals, making points, being that leader on the ice that everybody expected of him because he was invisible for the beginning of the season. Didn't even know he was even playing. Then you, because because John Tavares is playing better, you have you know the kid Marner. What's twenty two points a game straight that he's had a point in, so he's producing. You have Austin Matthews is now who couldn't score a goal in the first seven games has thirteen. So they're doing what they're supposed to be <laughs> supposed to be doing and creating offense. Um, yeah, yeah, they're they they look strong, man. They look strong. It seems like they're playing more of a two hundred foot game too. You know, I'm so sure the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, played the Dallas Stars last night and beat them for nothing. Mitch Marner um, got got an assist on the first goal, okay, which extends his streak to 20 games. Jason Robertson, one of the Sick. I wouldn't even call him a breakout player because he scored 40 goals last year and was like an absolute stud. But right now, Jason Robertson has elevated his game to elite status in in today's game. And he had his point streak ended at 18 games against the Maple Leafs. 23 tucks for this kid. 23 tucks. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, kind of out of nowhere. Is this Robertson's second year or third year? So he was up for the rookie of the year. That he did, he didn't win it. Correct? Did he third, win it? Third was... year, third year, first year, he scored okay. seventeen goals in fifty-one games. So he would have scored 20, 25 goals last year, forty-one. Now he's got twenty-three and twenty-six games. Kid's a real deal, man. He's a real deal. When you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, slowest start ever. Everybody was bitching and complaining. Petey and I were jumping on the bandwagon of fire. You know, Shell and Keith. All of us and, were. And now, now you're in a situation that Mitch Marner's got a 20-game point streak. Austin Matthews playing at a higher level again. John Tavares is on fire. And the guy who's completely unforgotten in Toronto every single year but absolutely shreds it is uh, Willie Nylander. He's, he's shredding it. What does this team need? Again, what do they need? Or do you feel more comfortable and confident with this Toronto team moving forward in the season and into the playoffs because they're they're ranked number four. They're they're sitting fourth in the league right now. Okay. Who do they have who do they have on defense? What are their what are their defense? Well they have right Jake now? Muzzin who's hurt long term. Yeah, he's out he's indefinitely. Hurt, yeah. He was like yeah. a top defense. Morgan Riley. Morgan, Morgan Riley is out right now, which they inserted Timothy Lilligren and Rasmus Sanheim. And these two young guys have been playing in the lineup, and now you're not relying on those big guys like Jake Muzzin and and the other one is TJ Brody. I think is out too. Those are three solid veterans that aren't playing right now. Yeah. So so you have a you have three young guys back in that defense that are trying to make a name for themselves and are probably battling their ass off, playing as good as they possibly can defensively. And who do they have in goal? Sam Sonoff. Sam Sonoff, who's coming back off injury. He'll play after this road trip, but Matt Murray played last night, got a shutout. Oh, Matt Murray. That's right. Matt Murray. Yeah, that's right. But well, they, they, had... have cap- they, have, they have capable goaltenders. I mean, it's all going to come down to their top guys that continue to score. But 
that team does not play well if their if their forwards don't play a 200 foot game. Their forwards don't play defense. That's where they always get into trouble. That's why they lose in the playoffs because they're just they're one dimensional offensive. But it seems right now that they're they're playing some good. I mean, they shut out Dallas last night, so obviously they're playing strong as a team. Right. You know what I, you know what I see too, like, and I, and I said this to Petey back a month, month and a half ago when Jake Muzzin came out that he was out indefinitely with his injury. And then Morgan Riley went down their number one defenseman by far. And TJ Brody was out with injuries. And then they inserted all these younger players. They inserted, you know, the Timothy Lilligren, they inserted Travis, uh, Erasmus uh, San Sandine, um, and they also inserted, you know, former Montreal Canadian defenseman, smaller guy in Victor Mete. What is it? What is the lineup on the back end look like now? They're young, they're incredible skaters, and they're excellent puck moving defensemen. And they're hungry, and, and they're hungry, and they're still not getting out of the first round. Because if they're they play Tampa Bay or Detroit, they're not getting out of the first round. I guarantee it. I put my money on it right now. Ottawa Senators, yeah. gentlemen, maybe one of the biggest disappointments in all of hockey with some of the signings they made in the offseason. Claude Giroux, Alex DeBrinket. Well, every, everybody thought they'd be, especially the way they finished the season last year. They were beating everybody, kind of like Buffalo was, and then everybody expecting high expectations for this team, and. You know, I, I I don't watch Ottawa enough, which is probably a good thing, to have a big opinion on them. I mean, I couldn't even tell you who plays goal for, for, for Ottawa. You don't see any low-scoring games against Ottawa. That's a problem. Right. Well, they're missing they're missing their number one defenseman in, in Shabbat, Shabbat. Okay. Shabbat, he, yeah. He's it's a it's a massive loss when you're losing a guy that when you go and look at the when you go and look at the statistics, okay, and look up the the top minute eaters, Thomas Shabbat was number third on defense or for that matter, he was third in the league for most minutes played per game. So he's averaging over 26, 27 minutes a night. You can't replace a player like him. Especially he's one of the best players, but one of the best defensemen in the league on top of plays most minutes. That's they right. were winning and with him. I mean, it's not like he's been out all year. He's missed five games. So, th- like, this team sucks, man. This well, you team- know what? Let me tell you something. Toronto Maple Leafs were terrible at the start of the year, and they were able to find their way because their best players started to compete and find ways to win games. How many goals, Guess how what? Many goals did the Brinkett have this year? How many goals did the Brinkett have this year? Six. In 25 games, he has 20 points. It's a 40-goal scorer. This is a kid who hates where he is, of where he came from. He hate, I, I, I can't see Alex Brinkett liking where he is in Ottawa, coming from Chicago, coming from playing with Patrick Kane, knowing that Kane's pissed that he got traded, kind of disrespected. Now he's up in Ottawa. I mean, I could see this kid being miserable going to the game. Miserable. And well, by the again, way, what happens it. with him, Jr. He was offered a long-term contract from Ottawa as soon as he got traded. That, to me, if I'm if I'm the uh, Ottawa Senators, my spidey senses are and awareness are tingling right now, and it's not in a good way that Alex DeBrinket, who's 24 years old, does not want to sign a long-term contract with my organization. Does he want to st- spend the rest of his career playing for the Ottawa Senators? Would you? No, and that's that's why I said Alex Brinkett right now is a miserable hockey player. He's miserable day-to-day going to the rink where he is. And you don't think he was embarrassed getting traded from the Chicago Blackhawks, being a 40-goal scorer, and the Blackhawks just letting him go? And we all know that that Patrick Kane was livid when they let the Brinkett go, because they were joined at the hip. And why did they do it then, Jr.? Explain to me why you, why Chicago Blackhawks would trade away a multiple 40 goal scorer 
who's 24 years old. Is there, are they seeing something that they just don't like? No, because no, because I think what, like you talked about earlier with, with dry they saw their team that has been locked in the doldrums of the national hockey league for the last two years. And the only way to get back is to build up through the draft and through draft choices. And as much as the brink, was going to score goals. They were still down the bottom. So in order to salvage what they're going to have in three or four or five years, they got to build through the draft. And the only way they're going to do that, getting the high draft choices that they did is to get rid of the brinket. I mean, that's well, the only and, thing and I also, can think of. Also, they're going to trade Kane anyway. I mean, Pat Kane's not going to finish the year in Chicago this year and then walk no. for free. What about so, Jonathan Taves? Well, his, little, his name has actually gonna, been out there on the trade block. Like there was, just, there was just, just a rumor just the other day that Jonathan Taves' name was out on the trade block for a certain team. Well, this is why you're going to. So this is the problem with Taves. Even though he's he, he has been known as one of the best captains in the game, he has been extremely, uh, extremely unbelievable career. But he he is damaged after missing an entire season with with nobody knows why. Okay. He was that he he was ineffective for the longest time when he did come back. Now he's having a pretty good year. He's number one in the league in faceoff percentage. And you know how teams love to have that, you know, that big faceoff guy. He's he's he he can't, he's more valuable right now than he was a year and a half ago. And I could see tr- Chicago saying, you know what, Jonathan, this is the best opportunity for us right now to get something for you. Cause if we don't, we're not going to get anything for you because you're damaged goods and you're on the down, down line of your career. So I, I totally agree. I don't think, I don't think either of them are going to be there at the end of the season. You're going to get 34 years old. He's 34 years old, turning 35 in April 29th. So at the end of the season, he'll be 35 years old. He, is made he's coming off an eight-year deal 84 million okay um before that contract he came off a 31 and a half million dollar contract this guy is not he's not you know worried about money he's had an incredible career he's won three stanley cups if i was the chicago blackhawks I would 1000% be trading this guy because when you go when you go to cap friendly and go and look at the Chicago Blackhawks and go and look at their organization. This year in the 2023 draft, they have two first rounders, two second rounders, and two third rounders. In the 2024 draft, they have two first round picks, two second round picks, and two third round picks. Let me tell you something. If you go and trade Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, you're going to and get Jonathan more. Taves, you're getting two first, two more first rounders. That's a hundred thousand percent, right? Yes, yes, yes. And you're going to be getting probably a top prospect for each of those two players. I mean, the top prospect. And you're going to have your own draft team. pick this year, which is going to be massively high because the minute you dump them, you're just going to start losing games because they're the only reason why their head's above water. Yes, sir. Yeah. Now you're going to have four yep. first-round <laughs> draft picks in the next two coming years. Yep. And I'll tell you, you know who is an awesome um, rent a player for a team that wants a Stanley Cup. Jonathan Taves, a great rent a player for the strip. Because you look at what he brings, he does bring offense. He is a great penalty killer, very strong defensively. Like I said, he's the number one faceoff guy in the National Hockey League. And when you're talking about a team that wins Stanley Cups, they're a puck possession team. And that's so highly regarded for a team that's already stacked that looks for Stanley Cup. And then you got Stanley Cup pedigree. The cap hits 10.5, but the money's only 6.9. So who's taking on the cap hit? Who are the teams as of right now that could start starting in February when that trade deadline rolls around that have to start looking now? Who who are those teams that are that have Stanley Cup aspirations that are going to need, say, a very, very uh, reliable centerman. That might I'll not tell be you a trade. Par- I have a trade partner right now for Chicago for for um, for either one of those two players. Well, New Jersey for Patrick Kane. I think you take a New Jersey for Patrick Kane, but I would yep. I wouldn't see New Jersey for a for a Dave's. 
But go ahead. What is the faltering position in the in the Rangers organization in order to win a Stanley Cup? Do they have the defense to win a Stanley Cup? Yes. Do they have the goaltending to win a Stanley Cup? Yes. Do they have the top end six forwards at the top end of the of the lineup? Do they have enough to win the Stanley Cup? Yes. Okay. What about the back end? No, their third or fourth lines are not good. Okay. So let me let me let me let me tell you what I'm thinking here. So you have a Capo Kaku who right now is literally horrendous. He's playing terrible. Has he is too. not. He is. He has four goals and eight points in twenty-seven games. This is a guy who's playing on the third line right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. What about Alex Lafreniere? He has four goals and twelve points in twenty-seven games. At what point in time do you say we need to move one of those players to acquire a Jonathan Taves that's going to play on the third line to play with Barkley Goudreau, who's already won two Stanley Cups himself? And 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 give yourself a, a realistic opportunity to win the Stanley Cup in the Rangers organization because they will be stacked if they just acquire a little bit more pedigree. And and, I, and I, Jonathan I, I Taves, agree with you. I agree with you. Those two are the main will be the main fish bait for a trade like that. But you're not going to trade one of them, especially in Lafreniere. And you're gonna you're not gonna get a first round pick with that. You're gonna get a you're gonna get a second or or late or, or maybe not even a second. You're gonna get a third plus that player for a Jonathan Taves because at 35 years old. So that's you're not gonna get the big draft choice, but you're gonna be banking on a guy that has huge upside that has not been uh, is not has been a bust so far because both Kako and Lafreniere have been busts so far in terms of what their expectations as a number one and number two pick in the, in the national hockey league. Right. Yep. All right. Last but not least finishing off our North of the border segment here, Montreal Canadians playing better hockey lately. They're playing pretty good hockey. They've been pretty good on this road trip. Have they not? Life changed when uh, Marty St. Louis took over. Well, it changed for the small guys, that's for sure. I mean, Suzuki and Caulfield have been been sick because I think of of us, Martin St. Louis. I, I just, think you know, I think too when you when you sit there and you look at the moves that you know general manager Hughes went out and made this year. He he was the most um, aggressive GM in all of the league going out and making a bold move and picking up Kirby Dak or Datch, um, who is a former third overall pick who just did not find his way in Chicago right now is third in scoring on, on the Montreal Canadians with 19 points in 26 games. Then they go and pick up a former multi multi 30 goal score. Okay. And, a big point producer in Sean Monahan. He's got 17 points in 25 games. These are guys that have been, you know, put into the lineup and has really helped, you know, strengthen the Montreal lineup. You know, I, I, I just like yeah. what they've done. Yeah. Tough guys to play against too. I mean, they're, <clears throat> they're, they're gritty. They're gritty. You know they they battle hard. I I I think when I watch Montreal play, it's they're in they're in most games because they work they work their ass off, and they know if they don't that they're going to get beat. Well, they they beat That's Seattle it. last night four two. But did you see who scored his first NHL goal against them? They called him up to yeah, just they, to play. Yeah, yeah, Shane Wright, but they brought the kid in. He scores in his first game. You think they're going to keep him there now? No, he's going back. I'm going to go against this thought process. I think that they're, I think they're going to loan him to play for the world junior team over, over Christmas time. And once he comes back, they will continue to insert him into the lineup, maybe not playing every single game, but they will insert him into the lineup and keep him with the Seattle Kraken. That's just my thought. Terrible idea. I just think Shane Wright has the attitude and I think he wants to be there so bad. And I think he's so mad that he's not there. Uh, it's almost like an, he got embarrassed at the draft 
which we saw what he did at the draft, right? He 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 looked at the Montreal Canadiens and went went, you know, I'll show you. And he's hating the fact that he's not up there. I mean, I love that he went went in last night, scored a goal. Um, I think he's got the the the, the mental the mental wherewithal to to battle the young. I could be wrong, but I like the edge that the kid has. I'd give him a shot. So name that teammate. Is there a criteria for this? Like how many games played the guy had to play with you or something like that? Because I got a guy here that I, I, I knew about when I was younger. So I just put an age on him. And I always, I always was curious about him. And then I didn't even know you played with him until I started going through every team you played on. Hey, well, it has to be, it has to be at least a, 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 season. a season. Okay. And that doesn't what? mean one game. No, I'd have to be in the locker room with them continuously. I mean, there's so many people that say, hey, you played with my friend and so-and-so. I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. Well, this guy's different, okay? This guy's different. Right. You played 40 games with him. But he was a well-known player. He was a 100-point guy in the NHL. You Mm -hmm. played bits and pieces of two seasons with him in 91-92 and Mm 92-93. He played on those So Chicago? Yeah, he played with Chicago. Yeah. And before he came to Chicago, he was with the Hartford Whalers, and he was a 100-point guy. He had 115 points one year. 49 goals. I want to say uh, John Tonelli, but that's, I don't know if that's right. Um, that's not right. His nickname around hockey, if you'd never met him, was Bacon Strips. <laughs> bacon Strips. He played for the Hartford Whalers. Whalers. He played for the Whalers. So we're talking about a guy, guy that played in the 80s started in 87 88 in Pittsburgh. Uh, can I ask what round he was drafted in? A fourth rounder in 1986 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. He played for Kamloops Blazers and had 173 points and 212 points in single seasons in the WHL. 212 points in one season? 76 goals, 136 assists, and 63 games for the Kamloops Blazers. Holy smoke, I should know this for sure. Came from the Hartford Whalers in 90. That's where you're losing me. Like, I I, I couldn't tell you who is the leading point producers of Hartford. He went on to play from there with Dallas. He played one game in 93-94 and then L.A. in 94-95. But he spent a vast majority of his time after playing with the Hawks. He had 155 points in the American League. 143 points. How many games did he play in the NHL? 543. Wow. What position did he play? He's a forward. I thought maybe he might have even been your line mate. You want me to give him to you? Rob Brown. <laughs> Rob Brown. Robbie Brown. Rob Brown. Like, yes, I got it. I got it. He was my line mate. Yep. Rob Brown. Yeah. Rob Brown. He was. You Rob know who, Brown who, who, had 100 points in the NHL one year? Twice. Played with, played with Mario. He had like 50, I think, almost one season, didn't he? 49? 49 goals, 115 points. Sorry, once. He did it once, but he had 80 points. Wow. Good, good, uh, good pull there, JR. Ooh, gosh. The brain, the brain that doesn't work too well back in the 90s came through. Yeah. Um, wow. He was a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a guy who looked terrible playing the game, but could could score and was smart again you know who he reminds me of a little bit in the league right now but just by the looks um phil kessel if you put phil kessel oh. rob brown next to each other they, uh, they kind of look like they kind of look like brothers but yeah but one guy play. like phil kessel can fly like the wind yeah rob I'm, brown. I'm that, not, not the way they played but by the way yeah. they look like they they both have that they both had that 
like crazy fucked up hair. And Rob Brown. Well, he had no hair, had right? Hair, Wasn't he bald? Hair plugs. He had hair plugs. He put hair plugs in. He His always... nickname was Bacon Strips because he had the comb over going. Like he had the Ernie McCracken yeah. from Kingpin. That's, I guess yeah. his helmet, uh, I guess yes, someone yes, hit him yes. one day or they knocked his helmet off in practice and his, the fucking bacon strips were going up. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't call him bacon strips in, in, in Chicago, but he was a, he was a great, great teammate, by the way, really, really good line mate too. Cause he was very, very smart. Always was always in the right place. Right. And he was fun as shit off the ice really good good guy but i remember i remember him more with pittsburgh right playing with mario like they yeah. were they were sick when he was with pittsburgh um, yeah see he see only he, he was only in chicago for 40 games so i i mean i was i was reluctant to to use him but i'm like fuck i just i i was i've always been fascinated by this guy because when i was a kid i had this uh, this movie it was called mario the magnificent and it was all about Mario Lemieux and his career up until that point, and Rob Brown was featured in it. And then I remember mm-hmm. seeing Rob Brown's stats years ago and just being blown away by it. So when I saw that you played with him, I was like, "Shit, I got to pull this guy up." Anyway, it's just amazing what it's amazing what playing what somebody can do for you, right? So like Rob Brown, he, like he he only played five hundred games. He had a hundred points. He scored yeah. fifty. He scored forty nine goals. He had one hundred and ninety okay. goals. And what you need to realize, too, is like, I mean, everybody thinks that, hey, you know, listen, if I play with, uh, you know, Mario Lemieux, I'm going to be able to score 50 goals and get 100 points. No, you're not. Rob Brown is it was an exceptional hockey player. Like he had he was not if I remember, Jr. he was not an overly big guy. Okay, he was not an overly he was not a player that skated overly well. Like he wasn't fast. He was his hockey IQ and his skill level was very, very high. Very good. Like very knew good. knew that knew where to go on the ice to receive pucks, and he had that skill set to be able to bury pucks. Yep. Right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Certainly was not a player was that great. was pleasing to the eye. Like he wasn't. You didn't look at him and go, "Wow, that's a really good hockey player." You just he, never he noticed. Didn't do, him. He didn't do anything average. Right, he did a couple things way above average, and a couple things way below average. There was no yeah. in between with Rob Brown, and he wasn't in the best shape. He was plumpy and doughboy, and you know, not the strongest guy in the world. But again, he was so smart and did the game, played the game so well, and was such a great teammate. I just, I, I, I Brownie and I got along really well. It was, you know, a guy that he reminds me of, Rob Brown, when he played. And uh, you played against this guy, Jr. for sure. And Rob Brown reminds me of a kind of prototypical uh, brunette. And, uh, what was uh, Andrew Burnett? Andrew, Andrew Burnett. Burnett. Do you remember him? Yeah. Sure, of course. Great, of course. insane skills. Like super, yeah. super crazy, intelligent, incredible, small area, being able to dish pucks under pressure. And yeah. he was just, but he couldn't skate where shit. Like yeah. literally the worst skater in the NHL, but he still produced sixty plus points a year. I got, I got, I got another one for you. You talk about a guy who who took advantage of playing with somebody. How about someone that we played with, Riv? I'm gonna give someone that you and I played with that played with a certain player that just lit it up because he played with a certain player. John Chichu. Uh, John Chichu. Jonathan Chichi. That's exactly right. Jonathan Chichi, what he score? Four fifty, then forty something playing with Jumbo. He, he scored fifty-six one year. Playing with Jumbo. And then he had another one. And then all of a sudden, it, it just it, it almost like he just it just lost it all. Right. And he went from there to like couldn't score a goal and ended up, you know, not being well, why do you out. think that was? Because the year that me and you played with them because we kind of I came in um the year before you got there okay and uh Jonathan Chichu that year scored 38 okay and we were kind of wondering why like everyone's like well he's having an off season he scored 56 the the year before well if you remember people started to realize who Jonathan Chichu was he wasn't a guy mm-hmm. unknown skating around the ice and having these open shots on net, and we all like Jonathan Chichu's shot. If he had open space, 
would shoot. be picking literally pinpoint accuracy if he had time and space. Well, as his career moved forward, you don't score 56 goals and then follow it up with a 38 goal. And then the next year, no one's taken. You're now teams started to close the basically gap. have game plans towards mm-hmm. Jonathan Chichu and, and, and Jumbo. And it, and it, it became extremely, extremely difficult for Jonathan Chichu to score because there were game plans to play against him. Yes. hundred percent. And he was, um, he, and we remember watching him play. He was he was like kind of the Tasmanian devil. It was like it was like sloppy all over the place. But then when he got into the zone and Jumbo fed him, it was like shelf, shelf, right? Like he picked spots with his shot that was just incredible. But again, he, I mean, he could skate, but it was just it wasn't pretty. You know, it wasn't well. He pretty, was a, he, he was kind of like a right. one dimensional player. Like he was a pure and utter goal scorer. I've never seen a guy shoot the puck like him. In all the players that I played against, he was a pure goal scorer, but he mm-hmm. didn't, he lacked in physicality. He lacked in defensive play. He, his skating was um, certainly not slow, for, but it was not, uh, it was not refined. It was not smooth. It was choppy and kind of uh, unorthodox. Unorthodox, um, yeah, very much, very much um, so. His skill level was kind of like not dangly and smooth, but he mm-hmm. still had good hands. Like it was just yeah, kind got, of he, a, like he, weird. It was weird. It was he 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 was very efficient with what he had. Yep, very efficient. But I played against great, him my whole great junior team, career, and I played with him in prospects man. tournaments uh, growing up, and he he was he was unbelievable. I mean, he was, I think he was a first, he was a first rounder in the OHL. He was a second rounder my draft year. And I just, I remember this guy. I couldn't believe when he was putting up 56 goals. I went when he scored 28 in his second year. That was like, okay, I could see Chichu doing that 56. I didn't know what the hell. And yeah, like you guys, yeah, mentioned but what it. happened? What happened Joe to him Thorne. after 2010? Uh, I don't know. He went to Ottawa. Maybe it was just that pressure and, and not having that player to play with him to dish him the puck he ended up in the minors for a few teams and then over in europe that's a steep that's a steep fall from grace from 2008 2007 2008 to 2011 yeah right just it's crazy well he came into the league he played his very first year um it would have been he would have been a couple years in the minors he played two full years in the minors so when he made the nhl uh, he scored nine goals that year, 16 points in 66 games. So he would have been 22 at the time. What year was that? That's a 2002, 2003 season. Okay. And then the very next year, he had a breakout yeah. year, 81 games. He had 28 goals. Okay. The year after that, 82 games, 56 goals. And then people caught on to him. Okay. It went down to 37. Then it went down to 23. Then it went down to 12. Then it went down to five. And then he's out of the league the next year. And he's not even what? 20, 28, 29 at that time. No, he's not even. Yeah. He's not even 30. Yeah. 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. So he was out of the league. And you should be in your prime when you should be in your prime. Right. And, and again, one of those guys, Hey, Rip, just so unassuming. One of the nicest guys in the world always had a smile on his face. Absolute. Just, absolute. He won, actually, he won player he's of the game. a hockey player. He won player he was of the not game a hockey the player. CHL top prospects game. And on the way to the game, he was walking with Justin Papineau on the way to the game. He walked in with a fucking hot dog, a street dog, mm-hmm. CHL top prospects game. That's I remember Everyone was talking like Chichi was. Everyone was laughing, and then he goes out and has not that a hot dog is going to kill you. Like I heard Gretzky had a hot dog before every game, but all I'm saying is, and then he go biggest game of his life. All the scouts are there. It's in Maple Leaf Gardens, and he grabs a street dog on the way into the rink, and he goes out and wins Player of the Game. Yeah, that's that's Cheech for you. Just yeah, yeah just happy just go to, lucky. Just you know, listen. I mean, one of the nicest, one of the nicest yeah. 
truly nicest individuals I have ever played with in all Mm -hmm. my years. I mean, he is just the salt of the earth. His, you know, you know, you could have the worst day of your life and you know what, just being around him makes you a better person. That's, that's Jonathan Chichu. hundred percent. Good stuff today, man. Awesome boys. Way to, way to battle through Canada the way we did. It's not easy. I'm still not going to Winnipeg though. It's not easy. (laughs) That's a wrap on another episode of after the whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter after the whistle and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word. Thank <laughs> you.